0: two to right field Adam Engel is there a no-hitter the 19th in White Sox history
1: hello everyone thank you all for tuning in to episode number 20 of bases loaded we have a very special guest here joining us for this episode of the podcast White Sox play-by-play announcer and ESPN commentator for baseball, college football, college basketball, and much more, Jason Benetti. Thanks for coming on. Gentlemen, glad to be here. Thank you so much for coming. We have a bunch of questions to ask you. Um, so Chase, you want to get started?
2: Yeah. My first question right off the get-go is just like, which baseball players growing up did you look up to? And maybe even like commentators and broadcasters, who did you look up to as a kid?
3: Oh, wow. Um,
0: So it was crazy uh, when I first got the White Sox job because my favorite player growing up was Robin Ventura. And it was like, oh, Robin's the manager. So like, I'm just going to go walk into the office of my favorite baseball player every day. So that's cool. Uh, So I met Robin in spring training the first time and I was like, hey, guy, I grew up watching hit grand slams. Uh, Cool to meet you. And then it turned out actually that one of my mentors, great friends in the broadcasting industry, Sean McDonough, uh, who did Big Monday for a number of years, still does and does big time college football and did Monday Night Football. Sean and Robin worked together uh, doing the College World Series for a number of years. So that first spring training, Sean, Robin and I went to dinner in Arizona. And they were just telling stories. And like, Sean is one of the greatest storytellers of all time and Robin's hilarious. And I just sat there and listened to them tell stories. And I was like, well, wh- how did I get here? Wasn't there like a third person who was better for this? And it was, it, it, it was fantastic. So Robin uh, was my favorite baseball player. Frank Thomas too, like I grew up a big Frank fan. And the first Sox Fest, I was just like walking by Frank on the way to, I don't know, interview Jacob's dad or something. And uh, Frank was like, Jason, I was like, me? Like Frank Thomas is talking to me. So it's kind of weird because I, you know, I grew up watching all these guys who I've now gotten to like talk to in the studio or hang out with. And it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's,
2: that's incredibly cool. And going to Sox Fest is a great atmosphere and there's just legends everywhere. So it's, it's always fun to go to that. it's Sad that we probably won't be able to have it this year, but um, it's always a great uh, event to go to. And I know some
1: people. Socks disappointed.
0: <laughs> we should have like Zoom Socks Fest with like a bunch of random like games that we play, and like everybody just has like a, a drink in their hand and a bag of popcorn, and everybody just tells a bunch of Zoom stories. I think this is a great idea. I mean, bring That'd up be the- fun. Bring it up to Brooks Boyer. I think he'd be right
2: on it. I think yeah, I'll text him. <laughs> yeah. Look,
0: get, the, get this
2: thing organized. You have a month. Go. <laughs> um, no. But yeah, that, that's totally cool. Did you wind up like wind up getting any of their autographs like from your old baseball cards maybe that you collected
0: when you're younger? Or? You know what? I was never a big autograph guy. I know I have some pictures uh, with some players back at home that my parents keep to blackmail me uh, just in case. And I have like some pictures with professional wrestlers too, because I went to WrestleMania a couple of times a kid, <laughs> which is really weird and random and doesn't really fit the personality. But uh, I, I think we've all been through that phase, that wrestling phase. Yeah. Definitely. I, mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like at the beginning of the whole pandemic, when I was looking for shows to do, like I watched Seinfeld all the way through. I did a bunch of other random shows. And then I just started watching like old 1990s wrestling matches. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious.
1: <laughs> so what yeah. did you do during quarantine? Because I know it's usually weird for you to have so much free time and not be off calling some game.
0: Yeah, it's been strange. Uh it's it's been really bizarre uh to have this much time indoors. Like I look outside and I'm like, oh, I remember outside. That was fun. Um so I did a couple things. I mean, I did some videos for White Sox fans. People sent me Twitter messages to send. That was, that was like the sentimental uh, point of the, the pandemic, which was really cool. Like people sent me some really awesome messages and it was, it was like super touching. Uh, I also uh, harassed a bunch of my sportscaster friends into doing famous movie scenes with me on Zoom. Uh, we called it Sportscaster Scenes, and you haven't lived until you've seen Dan Dockich do the famous uh, scene from uh, the the Tom Cruise Jack Nicholson uh, "You Want Me on That Wall, You Need Me on That Wall" uh, deal. So uh, that was good fun. He screamed a lot. That was that was good stuff. Uh, Len Casper, TV voice of the Chicago Cubs, uh, did a scene from Groundhog Day with me. One of my buddies from the Orioles uh, sang a song from Les Miserables with me, which was a tragedy and was awful. Um, so no, I've, I've done a bunch of that stuff, like just fun with some friends and like caught up with people on FaceTime. I've done some writing for fun, um, but just kind of bouncing off the walls. And now, now that ESPN installed a, a studio in my home, I've done like 20 Korean baseball games. I just got done doing six basketball games with Crazy Looney Bin, Bill Walton from my yeah. home uh so it, it's fun i mean it's fun like the white sox season happened which is great and then uh then i'm doing games from my from my living room
4: yeah i'm a huge indiana basketball fan so i he- i've heard your voice plenty over the past couple days um and
0: actually you didn't hear my voice very much
4: <laughs> yeah yeah that's true um <laughs> but i mean on- honestly that was one of the most heroic sportscaster uh, You know tournaments I've ever experienced. Just trying to deal with with Bill, but what was that like?
0: Ah, like I sign up for it because (laughs) I love the guy. Like I think he's crazy. He's out of his mind. But he also doing a game with him. I've described it a couple ways over the last day, and the one that I've landed on that I think makes the most sense is. Have you ever been to Great America? Do you ever go to Six Flags, Great America? Yes. like the first time you go on a roller coaster, you've kind of seen it in the distance. Like you're like, oh, that's Iron Wolf. Or like, oh, that's Batman. And then you get on it and you have no idea what's about to happen. And so every minute is like getting on a new roller coaster you've never been on before. It's also kind of like a final exam of life uh, because it's everything you know you're going to get quizzed on like he asked me a bunch of random questions like late in the North Carolina Texas game he was like what is a tar heel <laughs> and i was like i it's i, I kind of knew, knew the story like it's about dock workers and like them getting like some substance on their foot because they work so hard but there's like a minute and a half left in the championship game so i had to like stop think about how i can get out of this so it doesn't get all zany with a minute left and i was like I don't know. I'll tell you if we go to overtime. And then he was like, "I love overtime." Overtime, great. And I was like, "Yay, we're back on track. This is fun." I mean,
2: like how much like like I know he's just like for the personality and stuff, but how much preparation like does he act do you think he actually does like going into those games or does so he just crazy, like
0: That's the crazy part. He does a ton of prep. He has a ton of notes in front of him like When we were in Maui a couple years ago, we had Gonzaga and Mark Few's father, Mark Few, the coach at Gonzaga, his father was like a pastor growing up. And Bill was so interested in it. He was like, What church was it? What streets was the church on? Like, what city is it in? What time was mass? Like, he asked all of these, like, really deep, specific questions. We spent the Sunday uh, uh, before the tournament. So, as we're taping this four days ago, whatever it is. We were about eight hours straight on Zoom with coaches and players from all of the teams. So we spent a lot of time with people and Bill asked most of the questions. So it may seem like he's random and insane, he is. Woof, 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 Give me some food, will you, big guy? Um, But also he does a lot of prep. Like he knows what he's doing He just sometimes pretends like he doesn't and or doesn't because he's insane. His mind is like a blender. I am in
4: our solar system sitting atop a mountain on Mars, which is the largest mountain, it's called Olympus Mons. It's the largest mountain in our solar system. So what's behind the
3: curtain?
4: Not to be confused with Mount Mitchell which is spectacular now Mitchell has 19,000 species of fauna and flora on it
2: great idea I think you and him would be a great duo to like have a podcast I would definitely listen to it'd it Be great if you guys like tag-teamed and like made some sort of podcast I would be all for it I think it'd be a great idea
3: ah
0: uh, can I handle that <laughs> like psychosis uh, Somebody tweeted at me: "The best podcast is the basketball game Jason Benetti and Bill Walton are doing," and I was like, "Yeah, we're I guess we are kind of doing a podcast." Uh, You know, as uh, Indiana fans didn't love that we interviewed Bruce Hornsby for 12 minutes. Uh, I don't know why. It's not you know, (laughs) it was totally relevant. Um, But we have a great time. I had since we did baseball together with the Sox that one time in 2019, we have more time in baseball. Basketball, they're up and down the court. And so it's like, I want to ask a question and it's like two baskets have happened and I just can't. So could I do a podcast with him? Yes. Uh, Would it be a problem for me mentally? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, I,
2: I love you guys as a duo i think it's it's always fun to listen to so i definitely keep up the good work i know it may be a little, sometimes difficult you know but uh you know
0: i was exhausted after day two like i called a friend of mine i was like i need to go to sleep and it was like <laughs> six, six o'clock
2: yeah he probably has energy like the whole day
0: like he doesn't he does he even sleep i don't know i don't know i Does he require sleep? Does he stand (laughs) up and re-energize? Does he plug himself in like a Tesla? I don't. I don't know.
4: What was your uh, your favorite Bill Walton quote of the tournament? Because mine was when he asked you, you, "Who um, if you know who LeBron James is?"
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think mine honestly was about the fourth time he asked me if I've been to Austria. That (laughs) one really got me. Like he kept going back there, and I was just, I, I you know. Uh, When he was talking about puffing.
4: Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Puff Johnson, who scored. Uh, He's named for his love of Cocoa Puffs. As a kid, Cameron Johnson's younger brother.
4: I love puff.
0: The dragon? Or just the act of puffing?
4: Puffing, fluffing.
0: I love it all. Uh, there were a, there were a number of great moments um but i yeah i it, the thing about it is guys like i finished those games and i'm trying to like remember all the stuff we did and i just don't like i don't know if i'm repressing it or if it, there's just so much that's going on i i don't remember all of the stuff like i go back through my <laughs> tweets and i'm like oh we did say that didn't we yeah. I mean, the one time when i asked him about his necklace did you see when i asked about his necklace I asked about his necklace, and he was talking about like how it was made of nuts or whatever. And then he came back <laughs> later, and he was like, "Why don't you ask me about my nuts again?" And I was like, yeah, God, I, "I didn't. I asked about." <laughs> that. <laughs> I remember. He knows exactly what he's doing at all times.
2: I remember, like, I think it was an Arizona basketball game, or it was some Pac-12 game, and like he said, "Conference of Champions," maybe like thirty times during that game, and then he ate the candle yes. off the cupcake.
0: And that was like okay this is this is great <laughs> well, any I mean it was Arizona State, and it was him and dave Pash. and anybody who gives him a lit anything <laughs> is asking for it. right, yeah, exactly
2: um okay, I think enough of bill walton let's let's uh turn our focus. I <laughs> think I've only done twelve hours of it this week <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's uh, let's uh change the subject up here a little bit um also Jason, I just want to say I wanted to say this at the end, but um, I'm early decisioning to Syracuse for Newhouse, uh, new house. Um, and yeah, so I just That's wanted to so say, that. I know, yes. So hopefully fingers crossed, but, uh, nice. yeah.
0: Well, was, was this you trying to ask me if I can like shoehorn? No, you? no, no,
2: no, no. I just wanted to put it out. I feel like yeah. if I didn't say anything, it'd be, I don't know.
0: <laughs> you, like, what do you want to do?
2: I want to be a sports, I want to be a broadcaster.
0: Like a play-by-play announcer or yep. like a hot take barstool guy?
2: I mean, as of right now, like I'm fully open-minded to anything, but I think going down the route of being a broadcaster would be awesome. Cool. Yeah.
0: Any other aspiring like future play-by-play announcers in the group here?
5: I'd rather be the barstool hot take guy. Cool. So I'll <laughs> dodge Great. Yeah. Jack and I have actually
1: been to a, uh, sports broadcasting camp um that they've been i don't know if you've heard of it but play-by-play sports broadcasting they go all around the country each summer and they didn't want it i didn't want in la and then i did a chicago one with jack a couple of years ago and it's like a week-long camp and it's super fun you get tons of like on-camera experience that's awesome
0: yeah. how has your dad never told me this i don't <laughs> know
1: i don't, like he like Chuck Garfine came. He was one of the guest speakers. Chuck
0: Garfine came? Yeah. Why didn't anybody tell me that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Chuck Garfine and my dad both spoke at it. So like it was definitely a really good experience. Nice. Yeah. So something you mentioned a bit earlier was about all like the preparation you do. And something I was wondering is that when you're doing something like completely unique, like the electrician's championship that you did with something, how do you prepare for that? Like, what does
0: that look like? So the electrician's deal was crazy because, like, uh, they told me when I first did that, it was 2018, I think. When I first did that, they told me, don't, I was like, what do I do? Like, do I just, like, go rewire my bedroom? Like, how, how do I prepare for this? And they were like, don't do anything. Like, I don't, I don't, we don't want you to do anything. We'll, we'll give you all the information when you get there. Um, because it was, it was like, it was a competition they'd already done. So we were in a studio and we were just announcing the competition that had already happened. So they told me just like, come in blind, do what you do. So now I've done it the last couple of years. They've sent me ahead of time, like biographies of all the competitors and where they'd been and what colleges they went to and all that stuff. So I researched that and I looked through it. Like I'm, tonight I'm prepping for a football game that we have tomorrow. And it's a lot of like, It's it's Louisiana uh, against Appalachian State. Two teams I've not had this year. I haven't had them in in two seasons. So it's a lot of like reading stories from local papers, reading bios from each team's website, um, just Googling things that I think are interesting about where everybody's from, things like that. And then we get a lot of time with the players and coaches like Part of the reason we tape this uh, when when we're taping it is because all day I've been on Zoom calls with the coaches and players from both teams. So we get a lot of opportunity to ask specific questions to these guys. So that helps a lot. And then for baseball, I mean, you know, we we get to know the Sox so well because we're with them every day. But the, the key is like get into the clubhouse, ask people questions, like learn about them, have something new every game. That's the toughest part is like. 12 people have done Kansas state Baylor. I had last week, like a lot of people have done those teams. So if I just do everything I've heard everybody else do, that doesn't do anything. So like, it's, it's trying to find something new and novel every game. So it's a different broadcast and that honestly, that's what I love about Walton. He doesn't ever regurgitate the same stories because he lives on Jupiter.
2: (laughs) Do you, uh, that's actually like, do you listen to the previous games to like make sure you don't, repeat what was being said in the
0: previous games? I try to do it a different way. I, I watch uh, at least the last game that each team's played, uh, and and sometimes more than that. But you tend to read these stories, and you hear that people have talked about it. So I ask people with the team, like, what stories haven't been told? Like, what what is out there that we might not know about? What hasn't been written? Because I, I know how annoying it is when you are a fan of the team and it's just like the bingo card of the stories that you hear over and over again, like that gets annoying. So I, I try to have something new every game, a couple new things for each guy just to, to add a little bit. What about
5: doing those uh, Korean baseball games where you were up at 3 a.m. doing these, having unique guests, unique
0: teams? That it was really tough. I mean, we had some people on the ground there like Daniel Kim, our insider, and a couple other people. And I'd ask them questions, but we didn't have any access to the players. So it was like, what can we do to make it interesting? And it was the guests and it was the stories. And it was like really investing, like Jess Mendoza and I had never worked together before. And we built a pretty strong friendship over Zoom over over the beginning of the pandemic. So it's, it was really about investing in my partner and my partnership with her and Kyle Peterson and Eduardo. So that's, that's where we tried to be different in those games because it is, it's really hard to find information about players from other countries when you're just not there.
1: Yeah, I think- One of my favorite things that you do for ESPN is the StatCast podcasts. So I was interested, like, where did that idea come from? And then what
0: does your preparation look like for that? How is it different than like a normal game? Dude, it's crazy. Like, the the wildest part of it is the first game we did, and the idea came from ESPN. They had seen how StatCast worked for all the regional networks that do the local games like Stony and I do and, and Len and JD. Um, the, the idea came from them, but the preparation was nuts the first time we did it because it was 2018 if you remember the cubs and brewers were playing a game 163 and so were the dodgers and rockies and so i was doing espn radio for brewers cubs the rest of the crew eduardo mike petriello our producer andy jacobson They were all at like the Marriott downtown in Chicago waiting for my game to end so we could watch Rockies Dodgers together because we didn't know who was gonna play. Like we could have been driving to Milwaukee. We could have been staying in Chicago and there was a chance we had to fly somewhere as well. I don't remember where. So we had one day to prep that whole game. So we literally locked ourselves in a hotel room after I got back from the game and we started just running down every player on the team what do we know about them, what do we want to do with them, what's the Statcast angle on that individual person. And Mike Petriello is an amazing follow on Twitter. He's such a knowledgeable guy. He is like this geyser of information. And he was like, hey, Adam Ottavino, this backstory. And Albert Almora is great going backward. And like all that we had, we had basically headlines for each player, but we had to do it in 24 hours. Normally a game like that, like the games we've done this year statcast wise, we've had two weeks to prepare. So we go on baseball savant and we look at some stuff and we build a lot of graphics and it's a whole team effort, but that game we spent hours just going down the roster and talking about what we thought was the headline for each guy.
2: And how often like, do you use, like, I I know like you're big on Twitter, but like, do you, how often do you use like the stuff you see on Twitter, like in your broadcasts and how much of a role does it play um, in your like preparation?
0: Yeah, I mean it's uh if I like there are a bunch of people I follow who I read on a daily basis. Um so if I see it there, I, I have a notes I use OneNote, Microsoft OneNote on my iPad and I have I have like an Apple pencil and so I just I have a page of notes every day for a White Sox game, like, oh I read this, this is interesting, this might come up, maybe I want to keep this. Like I have a storehouse of like, hey, here's the interesting stuff I saw because your attention gets taken by the game. And you know, I'm not, uh, arrogant enough to think that I'm going to remember everything that I read over the course of the day. So I read stuff during the day, take notes for myself and then sort of write little crib notes in my scorebook of reminders to get myself to that story.
4: What is the, the difference? I'm sure there's a huge difference here, but when calling a game on TV versus over the, uh, on the radio.
0: Yeah. I, the, I miss doing radio a lot. Like this year, I haven't done any ESPN NFL uh, on the radio, but I have in, in the past couple years. years. Um, the greatest part about radio is that you have to describe the heck out of everything. And like in radio basketball, you watch as like the center jockeys for position and then someone rolls an entry pass into the lane and it skips on one hop into his two hands and then he arches his back and he curls around the defender and he lays it up with the right hand and scores and on tv it's like jones got it right like that's the call that's it and so i love the ability to describe all of those moments uh and i miss doing it And I think there are a lot of people who do TV, actually, who love doing radio first because it just challenges your vocabulary so much more. But with TV, it gives you so much of a chance to have a conversation with your analyst because you don't have to describe every individual thing. So that's the great fun of TV is that you can, as you all know, like you can veer off into random tangents sometimes when it's nine to one and everybody's still seeing the game. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. I I I broadcast basketball on radio for my for our high school and I do play by play and like I do find it sometimes a little bit like difficult to get my color commentator involved um only when there's like breaks and stuff and even then they're pretty short breaks cuz I just feel like I'm talking cuz I have to paint the picture. So just like any tips for how to really try to get your color commentator involved even over radio?
0: Yeah, uh, for both of you 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 don't really have to say like 500 words every time you talk i mean i know you want to describe the play and that's paramount for people listening but if they get in and say like a 10-word phrase like hey they're really trying to funnel the ball off to the sideline here you can respond to that very quickly and then get back into the play-by-play it doesn't have to be like uh the scarlet letter every time you try so that's that's and the scarlet letter is just way too long like if they make (laughs) you read that in school there are so many better books uh there, you can be short and still get your point across. I think young announcers, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid to late thirties now. So I don't know if I qualify for some people I do. For you guys, I'm old, I'm an old. Uh, but I think young announcers quite often don't know how to get to their point very quickly. Like you wanna say all the words and sometimes it's better to just get there in a really short way and then give your partner a chance to respond instead of having to say back to the action. Right. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Yes. That's, that's some, that's good advice. Thank you. Uh, I I (laughs) hope it was, but now. (laughs) Um, Yes. Uh, Should I, you you guys want me to ask another question? I I got, got I got a whole list here.
5: I got one. Um, So a while ago, us four were all discussing like, what we think is harder to announce like radio or TV because radio, you've got to really like paint the picture and tell them exactly what's happening, but TV, you've got to fill the space because you know, they can see that. What do you think is like more difficult to, to do?
0: You know, I think it's harder to do TV baseball well than any other sport because I think radio is really, 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 really difficult on the whole and probably harder to do exceptionally, but TV baseball, you can get away with for a couple innings, like calling a pitch, saying something generic, and then calling another pitch, like to be interesting for nine innings every night when you don't have description to rely on and you have to come up with topics and ideas and conversation, it's really difficult. Uh, And I think that is the toughest thing to do, but I think radio on the whole is hardest to do well because you have to talk so much And you have to have all these words for specific actions and repeating them just makes you sound like a broken record. So, so having like a really deep vocabulary on radio is an awesome thing and it's great fun. And I I think you can hear me say like in how I'm saying it, like I I miss doing it because it's so much fun.
2: I think what you and Steve Stone like do, which, which is great is like when I listen to you guys is even if it's like a blowout game and it's, or it's rainy and it's going into the late innings and it's not that like, not that interesting of a game, you guys make it interesting. And like you'll, maybe you won't even talk about baseball at some points, but it's interesting and it's fun to listen to. And I think that's what like you and Steve Stone do. That's great. And it's also cause you know, he's older and he played baseball and you're younger and you're, you know, more like the analytics analytics type guy. And just, I think it's a great
0: combination. And I'm funnier on the whole, yes. <laughs> uh, No. The, the greatest, thank you for saying that the greatest part is our senses of humor are kind of the same. And so we start going down an avenue and the other person picks it up. And right. I mean, he is so smart and he is so thoughtful and fun to like joke around with sometimes, but he's always got something like to say, that's not generic. Like he's always got a reason for saying what he says. So it, it or, for the most part, like, we're never bored working with each other. We enjoy that, and I think that's the best part of TV, is, like, when I work with Robbie Hummel, it's a different show than when I work with Andre Ware, and it's different when I work with uh, Steve, and it's different when I work with Walden. Like, you, you play into the people who are next to you, and you create a partnership.
5: Was there a difference between calling games for, like, the rebuilding White Sox that weren't very good and like this past year where they're really exciting team making a, a run for the playoffs?
0: You know, it's crazy. Like I walked into a team that started 23 and 10 in 2016. Like they were really good out of the chute. Uh, and they had like multiple triple plays. Like there was some crazy stuff going on in the good department. And then for two and a half years, it was, you know, three years, It was it was really difficult. And so I had done 10 years in the minors and most of my minor league teams were awful. And when you're awful in the minor leagues, you literally have nothing to play for it. Like there's no even pretend championship. Like at least there's a world series that you're not winning when you're in the majors in the minors. There's no world series. You're not winning. You just want to be in the majors uh, if you're a player. And so I did a lot of games that didn't matter in the standings. And it was about having fun and being a partner and all of that. So. I was more used to doing games like that than I was doing games that really, really mattered. My ESPN time, I've gotten to do games that matter. But last year with the Sox, I think Stoney and I said it, it was the game in Milwaukee when Jose Abreu hit that home run to center field to give the Sox the lead. That whole game was intense. And it was like game 22 of the season or whatever it was, maybe even less than that. And it felt different because we were locked in on every pitch. And Steve and I kind of said to each other after the game, like people have never really seen us do this because we've never had a pennant chase before. And it was really fun for us. So yeah, I do think it's different because you don't want to try to like, you want fans to care about the team. And there was a lot of rebuilding going on. That was good stuff. Like Tim Anderson's debut in 2016. And then you get Kopech and you get Moncada and you get, all the guys on the way so that's what you're playing for at that point now you know it's like okay the standings are there we can go get that so in our open of the telecast it's like let's talk about the al central let's talk about magic numbers and before it was like here's this guy's debut here's developmentally what's going on so yeah i think it's completely different
3: obviously
0: go ahead jack
4: uh, obviously um the last year's white Sox team was so exciting Obviously, the Lucas Giolito no hitter, the back to back to back to back home runs were awesome moments. But do you have like a favorite play call that you've ever done as a white, as the White Sox commentator? Because mine, I'll tell you, is the start the party at New Trier, Charlie Tilson first (laughs) home run. So, yeah, but do you have a favorite?
0: Oh, Charlie. I love Charlie Tilson. He's coaching somewhere now. He's coaching. Yeah. 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 I'm happy for him. He's a really good dude. Uh, I mean, most iconic moment probably was the thanks Cubs with Eloy Jimenez. Uh, That was really fun. Um, I, uh, you know, telling (laughs) the the moment of, uh, I'll, I'll get to the funny one in a second. My favorite moment so far was Tim Anderson's home run to beat the Tigers in 2019. Because it was right after what happened with the Royals. And Tim had come out and, and been really outspoken about who he was and how he wanted to be him. And then the Sox make that comeback. I don't even remember, Chuck had like a marriage proposal in the, in the crowd that had happened that same night and the Sox were down like seven, we went into like tap dance mode. And then the Sox came back and then Tim had hit that home run. And it was like, man, that is a big deal. And I still remember that uh, to this day, how I felt that night because I was so happy for Tim who had been through so much of people being like, you know, why is he being so brash and all this stuff? Like, why did he get into this fight? He was being him. Like, I was just really happy for the guy. And so that was was awesome. Tim Anderson, who's got the bat in his hand with two out in the ninth. And this
3: ball's drilled.
0: Star on our on the south side of Chicago. But I, second place this year. Selfishly, Luis Robert homered against the Royals in extra innings, uh, one game, and it was a Sunday, and we had a Statcast game, and I was basically getting to the very last minute that I could hang out at the ballpark without leaving before the game ended, and Luis Robert hit that home run, and I think I was a little more excited. Than I normally would have been. Like it was a big moment for the Sox, but I also basically tore my headset off and ran out of the booth and came <laughs> Statcast game. So nobody, nobody knew that, and I didn't. I've not shared that anywhere. Uh, but uh, with that home run, I stayed to do the post game interview, and then like got in the car, came home. It was like an hour before first pitch for the Statcast game. A friend of mine had set up all my equipment at home, and I, I had enough time to do the game. Robert in the air, left field, Gordon back at the track. It is over. The Sox are in first
3: place. Luis Robert sends him there. 5 to your final score.
0: So Tim, Tim's home run is, is number one. Thanks, Cubs. And then uh, selfishly getting home to do the statcast games.
2: Talking about, like, Tim Anderson, um, like when you go into the clubhouse, like what players, like can you just tell right away, like have like big personalities and like really have like a big role in leadership um in that white sox clubhouse and that are just always fun to talk to?
0: You know, what I think is what I think is interesting is you don't always know right away who the big voices are. Like some people are loud, but they're not great leaders. And some people are very quiet and they're very strong leaders like Jose Abreu is never one that's being very loud when we're all in the clubhouse. But as you hear people talk about him, he's a tremendous leader. I think the perfect example of that is Tim Anderson, because when he first got there, he wasn't nearly as comfortable in his own skin as he is now. And Tim's been a lot more vocal over the last year and a half. Um, But he's not he wasn't always that guy who had this outward personality. So you think you know but then you get to be around guys for longer and and it changes it changes your opinion
1: do you prefer being like a team broadcaster for like the white Sox and sticking with the same team for a year getting to know all the players or being like the national broadcaster and getting to like call a new game go to a new stadium every single week
0: is your dad asking or are you (laughs) that's me that's me (laughs) just checking this is from Rick in the <laughs> suburb. Um, no, so I, I honestly, I love being with a team because you get to know guys so much better. When I, when I parachute in for an ESPN game, I can have 10 minutes with Ayo But I know that I don't know Tim Anderson after 10 minutes. And so getting to be around guys more is great. I wouldn't trade that for anything. It's what I've done for most of my career in the minors and everything like that. But what I would miss about doing the national stuff is getting to work with all sorts of people. Like getting to be friends with Dan Dockage and getting to be friends with Jess Mendoza and Bill Walton and all these people who I've gotten to work with. Like I would miss that because doing the same thing every day over and over again is not my bag. Like that does not fit my personality. And so I I would miss getting to jump out and see the world even though like nobody's seeing the world right now obviously but that's what i love most about the games for espn is I've, I've gotten to see i mean maybe i've been to 42 states or something like that it's awesome gotta
2: hit those other eight though gotta gotta keep yeah. going gotta
0: <laughs> I, i'm not going to the dakotas right now I got <laughs> yeah that's know, a good I'm idea on my list uh, <laughs> wyoming new ham no i've been to new hampshire vermont i don't think it's, it's not, it's not many. I mean, it's the best part of the job. It's not even close, Yeah, and but I'm not going to the Dakotas. <laughs>
2: okay. Uh, talking about like not doing the same thing. You once did three games in one day. Uh, just like talk, talk through that a little bit. And how, how did you prepare for that? Like how are you probably sleep deprived and you didn't, you know, you, I'm sure you had all your notes set up and you were doing notes on the plane, but how, like, how was that? It
0: was really dumb of me. I mean, it was great fun. Like, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I did. So I flew down to Tallahassee. The Sox had, was it, they had either an off day or a road game. So I was not doing a game that day. So I flew down to Tallahassee on Thursday to have meetings with the coaches. I flew through Atlanta to Tallahassee, had meetings with the coaches, spent the night in Tallahassee, flew back Friday morning, did White Sox Royals Friday night. Got on the plane after. I have a friend of a friend uh, who works for Wheels Up. They took care of me uh, with a little bit of a deal to get on the plane and go down to Tallahassee, slept for like four hours, did the game in Tallahassee, NC State, Florida State, and then got on the plane after and then came back to do the Sox game and showed up in like the second inning. First of all, get employers like ESPN and the White Sox who let you do that dumb stuff. Like, (laughs) Literally, I got into the booth in the second inning of the White Sox game on Saturday, and Stony had like a plush unicorn. <laughs> my, I saw it, that. <laughs> it's a dream, I think. Um, and then, you know, I, it was it was great fun. I I knew the football game in advance, so I did a bunch of um, I did a bunch of notes that week wherever I was. Like the, it was that the Sox were on the road, and I wasn't doing road games at the time, so I was actually in New York City for most of the week visiting some friends. I had I had planned this. a while so i just basically sat in my hotel room in new york city and did like college football notes all week i was ready for Sox royals we had had Sox royals before so i I could do those notes that thursday get ahead i i just i've learned to get ahead as much as possible like if you have a game try to get stuff done as early as possible because a bunch of stuff's going to pop up so that's that's what i did is i just got ahead in notes and sleep matters though like i that's the thing i forgot was i had to do the game sunday too and so i was like all right we got through saturday i got home at like ten thirty, and i was like oh we got a one o'clock the next day so i don't drink caffeine but i think i might have made an exception that that next day
2: do you think three is the max do you think what like what do you think you could have done like if you really had okay. to if you really had to push the limit and like you know how many do you think you could do? I mean, it depends like how far, the, like f- how far, like, and how long travel takes and whatnot. But what do you think? would?
0: You're, you're making me sound like Walton. I believe the world. <laughs> <is endless. laughs> Why can you constrain yourself by binary thoughts? This galaxy is more than that.
5: <laughs> exactly. Um, you can do two games at once. Be- <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I love doing this. I kind of live for it. And so I, uh, I wouldn't want to say that there's a limit. I mean I've done I've done six games in three days in minor league baseball. we We got we had a bunch of like rainouts, and we had six in three days in A ball. So like, I don't know, it's i did I did KBO and then like a football game the next day. but it's not like superhuman, right? Like there are pe- there are construction workers out there who just like go work in the hot sun every day. That's way harder than the crap I do. It's not even close.
2: (laughs) I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of pressure for broadcasting. So, you know, you always got to, you can't ever like slip up and you got to, you got to keep your, your A game
0: on. Yeah. But if you, if you feel the pressure, um, it's sometimes I, I tend to think of it. Like if you feel the pressure, you haven't done it enough or you're not prepared enough. Right, I, I I do get intense in big moments. Like I do feel it before games, and I have in the past. Like before that Statcast game in twenty eighteen, I kind of had this feeling like we were about to go do something really cool, and it was like don't screw it up. But then I transformed that pretty quickly into like you know how to do this. Like what wh- why would you worry? So I don't know. I, it it the pressure doesn't really register much anymore. What game
2: did give you the most pressure? Maybe like in your when you're younger i don't know just was
0: was there any game where you did get a little bit a little bit rattled uh yeah i mean i've been bad a lot like in the if, if i sent you minor league tapes like there's some garbage out there <laughs> um when i was doing triple a baseball steven strasburg was on my team the, the syracuse chiefs the triple a nationals And in 2010, when Strasburg made his debut, the cable network, Masson, which carries the Nationals games, picked up our game. And it was the first opportunity I had in front of like a national audience. I wasn't working for ESPN at all. And I was really nervous. Like I I was like really punched up, really worried. And I called, I called Iron Eagle, Uh, the CBS broadcaster, he does NFL, he does Turner, he's fantastic, he's hilarious. His father was a stand-up comic, he's got the best timing I've ever been around. I called I and I was like, Hey, this is happening. I'm scared. What do I do? And he was like, Look, don't oversell the kid. Like, let the game come to you and just like let him be him and talk about it. But don't worry because you don't need to go overboard with somebody that good and that register like this is why my best advice to anybody is go find people like when when people talk and you say oh that's inspiring like i always say what does that inspire you to do go find people who you think are really good at what you want to do whatever it is and ask them a ton of questions because they may get you in a mindset that creates something in you that you didn't know you had and after that conversation with Ian, I went to my computer and I immediately looked up how early Mozart wrote his first symphony. And because he said, like, don't oversell the guy. And going to break, Strasbourg had thrown this nasty curveball. And I said, like, you think this guy's good? He's 22 or whatever he is. Mozart wrote his first symphony at age eight. He <laughs> we went to break. I was like that and I no joke I was looking into my email the other day for the first email I ever sent to Len Casper and Len got a tape of that game and the first thing he mentioned that he liked was that line he's like that stood out that's something I've never heard before that makes me think you can do this and it's amazing like the only reason that registered is because there was somebody I believed in so much, and I exalted so much as like a really great announcer. I talked to him, and he got me there mentally. It's so cool.
2: That is really cool, and yeah, Len Casper, friend of the pod, we had him on at, uh, on our radio show
0: last year. Len is uh, an, let I mean. me tell you this: <clears throat> Len is another guy that loves doing radio. He's he's the, like the first person I think of when I think of somebody who loves doing radio and misses it like he got to do a little bit in the playoffs with the cubs it's uh he's he's a gem
2: yeah he was a really cool guy to talk to and we asked him the same question of radio versus tv and he gave a very similar answer to you just about painting the picture and whatnot so i think it's cool to like hear i guess the different perspectives from um you know people around in the same professions at the highest level so it's pretty cool
0: i hope at some point he gets to do to do radio again yeah. Really good at it. Yeah, yeah. I remember him saying that
5: he was old school and he was like, if I could do anything down the line it'd be radio, I think. But nice. you know. He's an old school guy.
0: He's an old. Yeah. This what is a
4: like uh oh, yeah, what was it like following the uh the the legend of Hawk Harrelson as the the White Sox play by play um stepping into his shoes?
0: Like, I grew up doing a Hawk impersonation. Like, I was in third grade gym, like, being like, you can put it on the board. And people were like, you're a nerd. <laughs> uh, and so, like, growing up wanting to be him and then sitting in that chair, it's, it's almost indescribable. But I, he called me before I was announced as the new guy. And he said, you be you, I'm gonna be me and everything will be great. But don't try to be me, don't try to be anybody else. And darn if that guy like didn't give me really good advice there because it wasn't about worrying about following him. It was just, if I trust myself with all the games I've done and all the work I've done on myself to improve on a day-to-day basis and tone and voice and pace and, storytelling and calling plays. If I trust myself, I'm gonna be a version of an announcer. I'm gonna be me and people will like it. And, and that sounds a little egotistical, right? But you have to be, to be an announcer. Like to sit behind a microphone and say, people should listen to me is crazy. Like think about that. Like a lot of the time you go through the day and you don't really want people to hear you. Like you're saying stuff, but if it was for a million people you freak out. And so you get better and better and better. And at some point you believe that your message is worth it. But he was, he was great about it. Awesome.
2: Um, I was like broadcasting and being a commentator is all about, I, heard, I watched a video of like Mike Tirico talking about, you know, it's all about telling the story and it's all about storytelling and um, knowing people's stories. And that's what gets people really interested a lot of the times to the like commentate uh the broadcast so like what stories have you heard that have like really stood out to you over the years that have maybe players coaches or anything that really made it like really fun and interesting just for you
0: yeah i mean uh there are so like everybody's got a story and i know that's a ridiculous answer and it's a cop-out but i'm gonna go further than that um I've talked about Tim Anderson a lot, but Tim, you know, basically almost not making his high school baseball team and the team basically having to go to bat for him because he was late for the first tryout. And then eventually taking up basketball and getting injured twice in in his, eventually taking up baseball, getting injured twice in basketball, and like coming from a really small junior college and becoming what he's become like, that's massive. Lucas Giolito, going from one of the worst pitchers in baseball and the transformation he made to become who he is while also having all of these Hollywood family members and all that goes along with that. Like everybody has a story and that's the great fun of TV. Like one of the things I'm really like very tiny thing that I'm really proud of that I've done with a crew uh, in the past it was Doug McDermott bobblehead day <laughs> at Creighton. And the, like the fans in Creighton are nuts for basketball. They were lined up for hours before the game to get Doug McDermott's bobblehead doll. And our graphics department, I was working for Fox at the time, our graphics department did a tail of a tape. Like in boxing, we did regular McDermott and bobble McDermott. And it was like height, weight, and <laughs> greatest move. And for bobble McDermott, it was like, Tremendous head fake. <laughs> it's in shot. It was a ridiculously small game, but those moments like they help tell the story. And I, I'm totally, I totally agree. It is all about the story. If you watch the first thirty seconds of any Pixar movie, if you like. Have you watched the Pixar? You know Pixar. Oh, of movie. course, yes. Yeah. Have you seen Cars? Yeah. Yes, it's my favorite. You know, like, the beginning to Cars is like Lightning McQueen talking to himself about. Uh, I am speed, immediately you care about lightning. lightning. If, if in 60 seconds, like you watch some announcers come on the air for a telecast and it's like, it's Texas and it's Kansas. Yeah, I got that. But why do I care? Like it's, if you tell me a story that I care about in the first 60 seconds, I think people latch on. And that's the best part of this whole deal is trying to find those stories in questions you ask people. And, And when you like, This is gonna sound a little arrogant, but like when people start writing stories about you as they have about me because of my job that I now have, you see the people who are lazy about it and you see the people who ask questions that make you think, and those are the people you wanna be around. So so when you do that with sports, like ask the athletes you cover really thoughtful questions that you think they might not have faced before and you might get a great answer.
2: Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's totally, that's great advice. And that's a, a great answer. Um, a question I know like COVID has been crazy. And like with the sports world, it hasn't, has not been that nice, but, uh, looking forward, how do you think, do, can you find any positives out of COVID that may be good for the sports world? Or do you think it'll bring us all closer together? And once we can have fans at full capacity, how do you think that's going to be in, That's going to be a pretty big
0: step when you're broadcasting
2: that first game when stands are at full capacity.
0: I got to tell you, if you end up going to Syracuse, you will find out that there is a day in Syracuse and it's like April when the snow stops and it's like 50 degrees and the quad is just packed with people. It's like Mardi Gras because (laughs) everybody's sick of being indoors. And we're going to have like an earth version of that when COVID's over. So it's, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be like the biggest party in the history of the world. I cannot wait for that to happen. The one thing that I noticed was I think there might have been more fun this baseball season from the players. Because I did kind of get the sense that there was a little, hey, we're all playing in the backyard and we're just playing for ourselves. And I think I, I kind of like that. I like the idea of like the sandlot version of baseball. So that would be my only like – hey, this is a positive, the rest of it, I hate the rest of it. But but there is a lot of, you know, quite a few of us have not been through very many difficult things in our lives to this point. Like this is the first major life event that a bunch of people have had. And I think it's worth it to realize that like, not everything's always gonna be there. And so cherish it and all of that stuff that goes on bumper stickers. But I think it's true. Uh, and and I hope that when we can have people in stadiums again, it's just going to be a little bit freer and a little bit more fun. And there's there's just going to be a lot of talking to the person next to you because we all miss being near people.
2: And I remember like over quarantine, like you did, you took in messages from fan like White Sox fans and like how COVID has impacted them. And I remember there was one. Um, I may not be 100% right, but it was a relative or someone who was a huge White Sox fan that I think passed away due to COVID. Um, and it was like it was very touching. And I think once we do get back at like full capacity, like broadcasting that first game, I think it, it will be I think that would be like a cool moment just to like recognize, um, you know, maybe people like that. And yeah,
0: it's a. I mean, I felt I felt like that was the best way I could help because there were a lot of people who couldn't be around. And it, and it just happened. So we were all sort of panicked. We've sort of settled in now to understanding that life goes on. But at that point, it was like, who are we going to lose? What's going to happen? And, and uh, it, was, it was amazing how much people were willing to share with somebody they'd not met in person. But it made me realize, too, that, like, there are a lot of people who spend summer nights with me in Stony. Like, we come into people's houses, and it's nightly. And people know a lot about us. Like I still get tweets from people saying, "Why don't you like sour cream?" (laughs) Brought it up in Minneapolis like two years ago. I'm like, man, that stuck, huh? If it starts snowing, people tweeted me hashtag Is it snowing? And I think it's amazing. Like you can bring laughter and fun to people. It's so cool. But when you can bring um, humanity to people. Like, like people let me do in March and April, it's the best. So obviously, because
1: of COVID, you have not
0: been able to travel
1: um, to any games for a while, uh, other than-
0: I can go to other rooms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, what is the fa- your favorite uh, destination you
0: visited to call a game, and then what's somewhere you want to go
3: in the future?
0: Maui was so great. I mean, the Maui Invitational, it was the first time I'd been with Walton. We actually planned to go zip lining, but one of our crew members got sick, so we, uh, I, we had to abort mission on me and Walton zip lining together. Probably one of us wouldn't have made it, or both. <laughs> uh, Boise, Idaho is actually really awesome, too. I love it there. I love the blue turf. I love the crazy fake punt that BYU called when I was there in 2016. It was good fun. Uh, it was like fourth in a 1,000, and they called a fake punt. And it was, if I could have sworn, I would have. Uh, <laughs> I was just like the Cowboys. The Cowboys did that not too long ago. Yeah, and then we, our group thread from that year of our production crew was like, hey, it's like BYU. <laughs> um, so Boise is great. Maui is fantastic. Uh, where would I like to go? Uh, I actually, at this point, I would love to go. Oh, I went to Ireland, too, for a football game, which is nuts that they paid for like a week of me just being in Ireland. Uh, South Korea. I want to go see a KBO game. That's, that's top of my list right now after seeing what I've seen this year.
2: Yeah. What do you think – this is on the top of my, the, my list for the questions. What do you think that KBO has just like culturally and different in their style of how they play that the MLB could maybe incorporate into their game?
0: There's less fear. Like you see the swings. People don't mind swinging out of their shoes and looking silly. I think major league players are like a little bit worried about getting embarrassed. It's a big stage, but I, I think there's a little more uh, liberation in KBO. Like Guys have a little bit more fun, and I would, like to, I would like to see that. After watching it happen and hearing about the Dominican League as well and what goes on there, uh, I, I'm all for fun. I don't know why we don't have fun. It's supposed to be a game. It's not watching C-SPAN. Uh, I don't watch much C-SPAN because I think it's boring. So I'd rather have more fun. And talking about the Dominican
2: league, Yerman the other day had a huge home run and the call on that was incredible. Like the announce, the play by play (laughs) announcer was going absolutely wild. So you should definitely check that out because it was, it was a crazy call to listen to.
0: I have not seen it.
2: Oh, you should team. You should definitely listen to it. It is a crazy call.
0: I think
5: that team's announcer is known for having like really extravagant calls. Like he'll start singing a song or something. Like during a home run
0: call. If you're suggesting that I do that. Uh, I some <laughs> song suggestions. You have the nationwide song. <laughs> <I'm afraid>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just do the nationwide jingle when the Sox homer. That really good. <laughs> That's good. I uh-huh. think about the nationwide song. It's been a while since I sang it. <laughs> Oh, what what is the hardest name
2: you've had to pronounce while broadcasting? If you can remember.
0: Oh man, mm. I'm sure there's five. in yeah, there's five in a lot of them. Yeah, I, I just can't I can't think of the guy's name. He played for Northern Colorado in 2004. Oh wow! Syracuse Let's played Northern Colorado. <laughs> Syracuse played Northern Colorado in a game in december and there was a oh his name was his name was Panayotakopoulos <laughs> Panayotakopoulos <laughs> like Nick or something Panayotakopoulos he was greek or something and like for some reason and i was i was a young announcer at that point and we were like practicing over and over again and it was it was like in the course of a basketball game it was a disaster it was a disaster <laughs>
4: I'm looking at the Northern Colorado roster. I didn't know Vincent Jackson went there; was on that team.
0: Uh, that was so. That was he played basketball there.
4: Oh, this is football.
0: I was talking about basketball. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, but yeah, Vincent Jackson. Go, go. They're the Bears. I think Northern Colorado Bears. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think so. Okay. What I was it? To, this is a weird thing, but I, I memorized all of like the Division One mascot names when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm girl.
2: It's like Jack, Jack knows like all the capitals to most countries. It's pretty yeah. incredible. Is that right?
4: You, you'll stump me if you dive deep. But I,
0: I like the back pedal <laughs> as you found <come. laughs> the was coming.
4: But give me a European one. I'll, I'll, I'll nail it. But yeah, I think me and Jacob have done that, uh, that Sporkle quiz.
5: Yes. The uh,
4: mascot one. So
0: Sporkle could be the best website in the mirror yeah totally (laughs) i mean it's a yeah it's tough
2: it's fun to do it um what uh like while you were in the minors like what what traits do you do you give to being like 10 years plus in the minors what uh, like perseverance and what, what was that like just trying to build
0: your way up to the top uh it was crazy like the bus rides are ridiculous uh one time we bused from Missouri to Pennsylvania. That was not in, the, in an affiliated team. That was a minor league team. It's in Crestwood, the Windy City Thunderbolts. We like, it was like a 12-hour bus ride. And the only hotel room they had at the end of the bus ride was a smoking room. So I smelled like a casino, <laughs> day, like a day, which is horrible. Um, but no, I, look, you you got to do a lot of this in order to get good at it. And the best thing to do is do a lot of it where people don't really care if you mess up. Because if you get really worried about like not being perfect at all times, you're not gonna be as creative as you could be. And so I liked that I got to do a lot of games where people didn't really care. Um, so that to me, that's that's the great thing about the minors is you're not under that microscope where if you make a, a ton of mistakes, or you're trying to figure out who you are personality wise, people aren't gonna try to rein you in. So, that that was huge for me. is just being able to mess around some.
4: All right, I think Zach, do you want to ask the last question? Yeah, um, to
0: end it off. That's I mean, the last question for you. No, I feel like it's as, be like crap questions.
5: No, um, as you know, Jacob won Sox Math this season. Uh, what was your reaction? Like, how cool was that?
0: With the video he made and then winning it and whatnot. So. I felt that it was coming because there was one night I checked my phone after like the fifth inning and Jacob's father, who you may know, his name is Rick, Yeah, okay. Rick Rick somehow had acquired my phone number and texted me and said like, hey, I think Jacob was first. And I was like, hey, buddy, I don't know how to use Twitter, but his account is blocked. And I don't follow him, so I don't know how I'm supposed to... Am I supposed to guess that he got it right? And so I was, I was like, hey, it was locked. I didn't say all of that because, you know. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's supposed to be watching the game. We both are. Um, but then I, I kind of felt like it was going to happen. And then when I saw it happen, I texted Rick and was like, hey... Guess what happened? And so it's a little bit of a thorny concept, what with the general manager's son being on television, doing anything he wants. Uh, A little little concerning. Um, It was one of the best videos we've had. Like it was absolutely hilarious. Uh, Jacob killed his father. It was outstanding. I laughed a lot and uh i don't know if his father told him but i think his father respected it at the very least yeah
1: um got myself banned from doing soft map ever again but, uh, <laughs> but You're banned? i think it was worth it you got you banned?
0: yeah i mean i don't know how he's gonna stop i still have a twitter account so yeah so here's the thing though he was just a week before and now i'm gonna get myself in trouble too okay. <laughs> he was lobbying for you to have won yes so then you won and now you can't play anymore
1: yeah as soon as i won he started i think to realize what could have, what was about to happen and <laughs> started to regret his decision a little bit but yeah he uh, without my knowledge he uh, told some in some press conference
5: that i had retired and
0: okay, <laughs> i didn't hear that <laughs>
5: Well, uh, we'll see. I if might we're all year, but. if we're all together at one point, I think one of us might win because we'll just use Jacob's genius math <laughs> skills and
0: and do it there. So if you see one of us, so here's the thing. Uh, two things about that. Number one, uh, there's nothing that says you all can't win and then include Jacob in your video. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. So if one of you wins and then we can all be around each other again and Jacob's in the video, or even prominent in the video, that's, that's still allowed. Because fair game. Yeah. yeah. And then number two, I do need to know, Jacob, if it was you in my first spring training, and I believe it was, when I was struggling mightily to come up with prime numbers <laughs> yeah. and you buried me to your father. That was me. Yeah. I figured yeah. it was. And you were right. Like I was I was listing off things that weren't prime numbers while I was talking about Rocky's farmhand Corel Prime. Uh, and then Jacob basically called me out. I, I want to say it was like the first text I ever got from your dad. Like, <laughs> my my kids say your prime number uh, knowledge is not very good. That's funny. Yeah, that was only Jacob, uh, only Jacob. That's <laughs> I
1: don't think they knew that story, but they definitely, uh, definitely would make sense to them. <laughs> so that
0: happened, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, good. Good. I thought. so. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're banned from Sox, mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got to get
2: reinstated here. Come on now. So this is for new Nutri- Appeal, appeal. Is
0: this like a, uh, this is like a trier Zoom account. So is this like a trier podcast or is it yes. just for you guys?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I run our radio station at New Trier. It's called WNTH. Um, and it's our, our we it's our radio station. We have about like twenty plus podcasts going on right now, just students at New Trier. And we've yeah, just been trying to spread try to get as many podcasts as possible. And it's you know, this pandemic is very podcast friendly, so um it's it's a it's really fun to do and we've been doing this for a while now, so cool. Awesome. Uh,
0: yeah. Did Charlie Tilson go to New Trier?
2: He yeah. did. Yep. I
0: was just being White Sox Twitter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, this is true. Well, he did go to New Trier, yes. Awesome.
4: Well, me and Zach were actually Cubs fans. Um, yeah. so And then, of course, Jacob and Chase are White Sox fans. So we've had um, – I've all, but we've always been able to rally behind Charlie. You, you could leave yeah. That. yeah.
0: Get out. Well <laughs> – <laughs> Exactly. Yeah,
5: bringing up that Eloy home run was not my yeah. favorite moment, but it's all good. <laughs> hey, I
4: brought I, me and Jacob were at the Tim Anderson walk off home run at um versus the Tigers, so I brought some some energy into that into that game.
0: Thank you. Yeah, really appreciate it. I'm sure you did.
5: Was <laughs> that well, so the game where they like cross paths and they took a run back? Really weird rule. Yeah, yes! Abreu
4: yes. passed the runner at first. That was bad. <laughs> i going not want
0: to be running the team the day that happened
1: <laughs> <laughs> nope.
2: jason benet here thank you so much for coming on our podcast it was a pleasure to have you and great guy great sportscaster and i, I hopefully in the future maybe come back on the pod we don't know but Thank you so much for doing us.
0: You don't know if you're gonna invite me or you don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. <We>, you're <laughs>
2: always invited. You are always invited to come back on the pod.
0: Yeah, <laughs> glad
3: to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Loaded bases, that's my motivation. Feeling lucky, we should go to Vegas. 2018, motor transportation. Got me feeling over anxious, like a home invasion. My dough inflated and I'm more creative. It's like a couple big deals, but it's no parade. It's just a couple, it's every generation. I wasn't supposed to make it out with the code the matrix. And when they get to speak, it's like a coded language. Reminds me. Strength and all the stolen greatness. We used to rat ns at the mobile station. Or circle, mobile motivation. My self educated, shrewd negotiations. Got these sharks that I'm sitting at this table with afraid to bait No 10 on my Mercedes, that's for inspiration. Two kilos on my neck like the f 80s. Or size side slots and have no my demonstration. Ornate raised, y'all affiliated. It's really greatness. Riding I'm on one, swinging for the fences for the home run Even further beyond into the universe But I have got to make it to first first It feels like every second's being stolen I risk it for every ticket we sold them. You got the ball, I'ma take it home But I'ma make it home I was sitting on my link and I start thinking mm. I ain't gonna make a hundred mil off any traces. More than likely I'm gonna end up in somebody precinct or Even worse, horse and cares runs to church Laid off in the hearse, I dealt with it I ain't just out here for my health with it I wait the risk and the reward and ain't the scale tipping Let's all get on one accord and take the world it. Take the money, take the power and the girls with us Can't buy that foot that they sell They greedy drug hands and jail Look like all these ways that you That's why respect me to the utmost When you see me, so how I feel it. Cause I ain't feel I it coming, did not tell me Different lines, same passion for the mail. Switch lines, all black, two glass cellars B12 too fast, gone Listen to my ambition cause I'm on one Swinging for the fences for the home run Even further beyond into the universe But I've got to make it to first first It feels like every second's being stolen I risk it for every ticket we sold them. You got the ball, I'ma take it home Bottom line, I'm gonna make it home